And just like that, we're back. The midweek show, Views from Section 400. You guys already know the deal by now. I'm Matt, joined by Jack and Brian uh, for the midweek pod. I mean, we got a lot to go over. Obviously, a hectic weekend that just uh, came and went. Um, You know, we'll get all our reaction on all that, uh, as well as uh, some topics uh, pertaining to the world of sports. Uh, that's happening as we speak in real time, uh, maybe happening tomorrow, maybe it already happened earlier in the week, but nonetheless, another action pack episode, uh, you know, brewing up here for you guys. So I just want to jump over Jack, Brian, uh, Jack, I'll start with you. Good to see you, man. Uh, how you been, dude? Uh, not, not great. No, uh, the sports world has not been good to me over the past two weeks. Um, the Jags lost a uh, heartbreaker on Monday night, choked the game away. Trevor Lawrence came away with an injury. Tr- Christian Kirk came away with an injury. Um, Andre Sisco came away with an injury. I mean, playmakers on offense and defense, guys that you need, uh, you know, on, on the playoff run as, as the regular season winds up over the next few weeks. So just praying that they can get back healthy. Uh, that's NFL news. College football news. You know, I could go on and on about Florida State snub, but at the end of the day, I'm just going to say I fucking hate Alabama, dude. You know, if they – they they both, they both ruined my Iron Bowl and Auburn, and now they ruined Florida State's hopes of making college football playoff. I mean, couldn't they just lose to Georgia? If they lose to Georgia, uh, you know, you got Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State, four 13-0 teams. You can leave Texas and Alabama behind, but no. They just had to go and beat Georgia – get themselves in there, get Texas in there. It, it's been, it's been tough for me, Matt. Uh, Brian, hopefully it's been better for you, bud. Yeah. I mean, I, I've had a decent week. None of my teams lost. Can't say the same for you guys. I think this is the first time since we've been doing this. My teams are in the best spot simply because they didn't play. So I'll take it. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll get right into Matt. Uh, your, your birds. That that was tough. Yeah, man. I mean, look, like I kind of touched on in the pod or, or in the TikTok, which was kind of funny. I was I, I wanted to kind of poke at the Niner fans there a little bit, calling them scumbags, and uh, which they are. Um, as you can see at all the comments, I mean, I had people dropping addresses telling me uh, to come see them, um, which was ridiculous. But whatever, you know, everybody, uh, everybody voices their uh, opinion, frustration, however they want to. Um, luckily, uh, no, there was no altercations with me having to go fight 49er fans over a TikTok post. Like, grow up, grow up, man, grow up. You know who you are out there. Grow up. Um, but yeah, TikTok first, first TikTok for us that really popped off like that. Uh, a lot of angry 49er fans, um, and some, some upset Eagle fans who, who were just trying to cope along with me. But yeah, it was really great to see the TikTok pop off and blow up, uh, only only up from here and uh look i mean the eagles got their ass handed to them there's no uh better way to put it and they, it happened at home which which sucks even more you know the the niners get to validate their nfc championship game which doesn't overturn it um you know hate to break it to them uh because they're still delusional and think that that it overturns it from from beating us at home but whatever i mean like i said i mean i, I you know i might be a diehard hard fan but i'm not unrealistic i mean the niners were the better team they got the job done they came in and they they had a game plan and they executed it um but i don't think that takes away from you know the first quarter the eagles kind of dominated i mean they drove right down the field twice 
I think if they score a touchdown on those first two drives, it changes the game completely. Obviously held to three points on both drives. Um, they stopped the Niners twice. Um, and then, you know, Eagles were only able to come away for uh, six points. And, uh, you know, the Niners drove right down and got that touchdown, which it seemed like the Eagles had all the momentum and all the, all the Niners had to do was get that touchdown and it completely flipped. Um, I know I called, I said the Niners guy punched the coach. Um, obviously, I know, I've know i met Dom before uh, for the Brandon Graham show down in South Philly uh, at Chickies and Pete. So I know he's the security guard. I just thought I'd get a good rise out of people for, uh, for calling him a coach. And clearly it worked because people were not happy that I called him a coach. Um, so you all got played, you played yourself. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I thought that was pretty funny that everybody's, uh, calling me out saying that he's not a coach. I know he's not a coach. Yeah. I mean, look, the birds lost Jack. I'll jump it over to you. Uh, the Jags obviously didn't have, uh, have a great, a great, I don't even want to say not a great game. Cause like they put up 31 points. I mean, they, you know, they just, I guess Jake Browning came into that game. And they executed, they executed, you know, they weren't airing it out. They weren't putting them in bad situations. It was, it was dink and dunk, get Joe Mixon involved and, and give yourself a shot. And, and that's kind of what they did. Yeah, no, I, it, it, the Jacks played fine. I mean, at the end of the day, they still showed why they're a top 10 team in the league, you know, with Trevor Lawrence, of course. But, no, they they were moving the ball on offense, uh, stopping Joe Mixon uh, at times when they needed to, you know, uh, getting getting some stops on third down. But, no, Jake Browning had himself an absolute fucking day, dude. I mean, Brian called it, uh, unfortunately, on last week's pod. He said Jake Browning's going to carve him up for three touchdowns, and uh, he did. I mean, one one was rushing, but uh, he definitely did carve him up for three touchdowns and uh, gave my Jags the schlacking. So the defense needs to shape up uh, going into next week and, and going into the playoffs. But now uh, offensively, you know, the, the we need to get healthy as well. Uh, we got a matchup against the Browns this week tough defense matchup against the Ravens the following week, another tough AFC North defense. So I don't know what the plan is for Trevor. I don't know if we keep him out for a game, two games, you know, we might need him to keep this division uh, division lead alive. Texans and the Colts are uh, both one game behind us right now, sitting at seven and five. So it's not like we can have Trevor Lawrence just sit out until the playoffs. We're going to need to win a couple more of these games as the regular season wraps up. Yeah, I, I, I agree, Ben. I, I, Brian, I mean, you know, your sports teams are irrelevant, so the only thing you have to go for is root against us. Um, you know, how, how ecstatic were you on Sunday and Monday night as, uh, you know, you got to uh, watch our teams uh, taken out? Well, I did take the Eagles this week with you, so it, it kind of stopped. Oh, so you jinxed it. Oh, there it is. <laughs> but – yeah, this was the one week I could have done an anti-Eagles parlay, and it probably would have hit. I mean, all the guys went crazy. Debo had, what, three touchdowns. Brock Purdy went off. Um, I probably would have taken George Kittles over, and he didn't have a great game. So it probably wouldn't have hit anyway. But, yeah, I was happy to see the Eagles possibly, possibly turn into frauds as we move on here. Uh, the Jaguars, oh. I've been calling frauds forever. I told you Jake Browning would carve them up, and that's exactly what happened. So. Without Trevor Lawrence, like, a high ankle sprain is no joke, especially when you have to pass from the pocket and you're using your lower body to throw footballs. And then he has the rushing ability, too, that's going to be limited. I don't see him playing in these next two games against really tough defenses. 
and with the Houston Texans a game behind, the Jaguars aren't only rattled about the number one seed, they're rattled about the division right now. So I wouldn't want to be in Jack's position, although I am a Giants fan, and we all know how that's going. Although Tommy DeVito still have still have him throwing footballs and coming out with the Sopranos theme song. But ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, I had a decent day. I liked seeing the Panthers game go over. I loved seeing Mike Evans get another thousand yard season. Um, you know, a couple other games around the league here uh, that were important uh, as I'm looking at it. Uh, you know, Cardinals upset the Steelers. No one really saw that coming. We did have two weather delays in that game, which was a little weird. Um, Chargers and Patriots was a weird one. Six nothing. I mean, that game sucked. Uh, they couldn't get anything going there. Um, and then, you know, the Lions finally figured it out. They uh, they put up some points. Their defense is still a mess. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the Lions keep themselves in the mix for a, you know, winning that division, obviously, which it's interesting to look at the Packers beating the Chiefs as the Packers are starting to, to put together a late season surge. You know, if the Lions keep tripping up, I know they won last week, but I wouldn't count the Packers out just yet, you know, just for the chiefs to not be this, uh, you know, and I even said it, I said they were like, you know, a lock out of the AFC based on what they did in the early season. And uh, the landscape's really changed over uh, the last couple of weeks or, or month in the NFL, like drastically. Um, and I guess that's just what it is when, when you play this game, but annoying sometimes how quick the NFL uh, regular season goes by. Cause it, it really is very electric time of year, but obviously the playoffs bring a whole new, uh, you know, just angle of excitement um, for, for all its fans. So it, it'll be obviously exciting as we roll into the holiday season, but not only the holiday season, playoff football, which, uh, you know, I kind of want to jump into next. Speaking about college football, um, the final four set. I don't know if anybody watching jumped in on our uh, Twitter space, but we had some instant reactions. So definitely check us out on Twitter uh, in terms of spaces, we have a bunch of people who hop on, um, you know, people are always requ uh, requesting to talk, uh, you know, if you're lucky, maybe we'll get you on there for a minute or two, say your piece and kind of get a live reaction of how you're feeling, um, uh, you know, pertaining to whatever the topic is. But, you know, it was dominated by college football because obviously we got the rankings, which I do want to say was really weird how they announced the final four or Sunday at like 12 o'clock. I just there was no promotion of that. There was no it, it was just like a sneak attack. It was like, oh, NFL game day's over uh, right before the NFL slate. Here's the top four. It just it seemed like a very random time to do it. But to run through it, look, Michigan, Alabama, ridiculous head coaching matchup in game number one and Texas and Washington or Washington, Texas, however you want to word it. Should be a should be a shootout. I mean, should be a very exciting, entertaining game. So I want to jump over to you, Jack. Obviously, you're pretty ticked off by Florida State not making it, which honestly, I know you're not going to like it. I think was the right call based on them not having the quarterback. Um, if they have the quarterback and they go undefeated, I think 100% they're in. They don't have the key player. And I think mix that in with them struggling against Louisville. Um you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't a good look for them. Um, so that's that's the committee's decision. Um, I, I think it as just 
an absolute bystander, no skin in the game for any of the teams. I think it was the right call putting putting the you know the teams who who are healthier and and have better uh, you know quarterbacks going right now. But I mean, I know you kind of already touched on it, man. But where where are you seeing this kind of uh, uh, where where are you coming down on all this? Yeah, you know, you're what you're saying right now is what the average college football fan is saying. Uh, I'm not calling y'all casuals. I'm just saying that's what the average college football fan thinks that the co- committee got it right. Florida State without the quarterback doesn't deserve to be in the college football playoff. Um, you know, obviously, I am a Florida State guy. I, I am going to have a little bit of bias here, but what I will say to your points there is. You know, they, they lose the quarterback. They lose the, the backup quarterback. They go and play Louisville with the third stringer. And what do they do? Uh, they struggle on offense as expected. But that defense played one of the best college fo- defensive college football games I've ever watched. Um, you know, it reminds me of watching Auburn, uh, big SEC guys, you know, at home in Jordan Hare, just absolutely clamping down on, on a good offense uh, in the SEC. I mean, they they played possessed and to to fault the other, you know, hundred players and coaches in that organization, you know, all of the, the millions of Florida State fans, all because of one man got hurt. I don't think it's right. I mean, um, you know. Forget the fans, but just those coaches and players who went all season, every game, practice, games, won everything they could, handled all the adversity they could, still came out on top every single game to keep them out. I think it's just it's just wrong. Uh, it sets a bad precedent, you know, for for college football, for you know things in general. I mean, you could be a champion, go on absolutely undefeated, no one can beat you, but you still don't have the opportunity. It's just it's a tough look. It's a really tough look for the college football playoff committee. Uh, it's pretty bullshit that you can't just say, Hey, let's, uh, let's figure this out. Let's figure out a way where we can get them in. I mean, make it a 16 playoff for all I care at an emergency game, have them play Ohio state. I mean, it's just, there's so many things that you can do and to just do absolutely nothing about it and keep this Florida state team out. It's not right. Well, uh, dude, I think I suggested the the emergency edition of two teams too, and uh, Brian said it would be just an absolute logistical nightmare. <laughs> so um, it, it was it, it didn't happen. But uh, Brian, as um, you know, no skin in the game. How how are you coming down on this? Or did the committee get it right? Or are you on Jack's side with uh, you know, Florida State got snubbed and and the players are heartbroken, which is true. I mean, they did get snubbed and. If you're a Florida State guy or a player, I mean, you know, that is absolute devastation. Yeah, Jack, you mentioned uh, setting a bad precedent. The committee kind of didn't have to worry about that because we're moving to 12 next year. So that was kind of a cop out for them. Um, But so I don't have a problem with Florida State getting left out. What I do have a problem with is the committee kind of contradicting themselves. They added TCU last year with one loss, but the big 12 champ TCU was clearly not one of the best four teams in the country. And then to say this year, you keep FSU out undefeated power five champ because they're not one of the best teams in the country, which is fair. That's what the committee is supposed to do. But we've seen in the past them put in teams that clearly are not the best, but deserve it. So it, it was, it's just a bad look for the committee. It shows you why we're moving to 12. It should really be eight, but 12 is fine. Um, the more, but- the merrier, man. Yeah, you say the more the merrier, but then you look at the matchups this year. 
One of them would have been Ole Miss taking on Georgia and Georgia. That game already happened and Georgia beat them by 17. So there's definitely the ability for that, but this could be debated forever. At the end of the day, next year, we're going to be debating like nine and three LSU and nine and three Oklahoma state. And neither of those teams is going to win a title. So it's a lot better than debating an undefeated team against one loss Alabama. But one of the things that stuck out to me. So during the show, which also horrible timing, we could talk about that forever. Um, Michigan had a live stream of their reaction and they were clearly hoping they would play Florida state. And as soon as they saw Florida state in at that five, <laughs> you got like two claps and a bunch of just, Oh no gasps from every yeah. single player in that room. And for some reason, they let that video get out on social media. And you already know Nick Saban and that whole Alabama team has that going on the whole practice facility for the whole week, whole month. Just Michigan's scared. They are scared of Alabama. I'm starting to think Alabama, I was worried they were going to sneak in. I've been worried for months. I'm starting to get worried they're going to win it all here. And I know Alabama we have, might win the whole damn thing. I know we have the Huskies future and we'll be rooting for it. But honestly, Alabama might be the best team in the playoff right now. I mean, dude, they're red hot, most experienced coach. Um, their quarterback, I the the growth I've seen out of that kid from when they lost to Texas to now is some of the most just, just amazing growth I've seen uh, out of a quarterback in a while. I mean, this guy looked like borderline unserviceable in that Texas game that they played. And – he's really figured it out as the weeks have gone on. And I'm sure coaching is a massive part of that, but he's a guy, you know, Milrow, he's figured it out, man. And that's why they're so scary now. Yeah. yeah so he's, uh, he, I'm sorry. I'll go. Just real quick. I was going to say Milrow is the, the, the best offensive weapon uh, in the college football playoff right now. Uh, you know, that's definitely debatable. That's, Totally fair and, and up for debate. I know Phoenix is an animal over there in Washington, but I think Jaden Milrow is easily, you know, the best offensive weapon right now. And, and that's what he, most explosive offensive player as well. And he can really do damage. Alabama is going to be my favorite to win this title. Uh, believe it or not, sneaking in, four seed, don't care. They're the SEC team. People always want to say, oh, the SEC is so overrated. You know, you always got to have an SEC team in there. Um, you know, I was hoping that Florida State would get in, not Alabama, but I don't, it didn't really matter. Alabama's in. I think they're going to win the whole thing. I think it'll be, I think it'll be uh, Alabama against uh, Washington in the final with an Alabama win. And I, they got a shot. And I, I mean, might, jump off shot. might jump off a bridge. We'll see. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I like that. Um, That kind of transitions into the point I was going to make. I like the Washington and Alabama pick for the final. Just one more thing going back to the committee putting in the best four teams. If you're going to do that and keep Florida State out, I think there's an argument to be made that Georgia probably should have gotten in over Texas. Yeah, I, that was my prediction before. I thought Georgia and Alabama, honestly, were locks to get in, but obviously yeah. it creeped. I mean, Georgia was clearly one of the best. I think right now they're still one of the four best teams. And Texas deserves to be in, especially if you put Alabama in. But if you're going to say the top four teams, Georgia is, I think, undeniably a top four team. 
Well, you you it's it's it, you have to look at the head to head there, and I think that's the only reason why Texas is at three and and Bama's at four is because of that head to head game. I mean, Texas beats Bama, Bama beats Georgia. I mean, just just follow that progression. Obviously, you can't just say Texas would beat Georgia, but you know that is the that is the line of thinking. That's the progression there, and you know that's ultimately I'm sure how the college football playoff committee looked at it. Um, and why Texas is sitting at three, Bam at four. And, you know, Georgia might be a top four team, but how can you say that they're better than Bama when they just lost them? How can you say that they're better than Texas when they lost to Bama, Bama lost to Texas? I mean, and then what are you going to do at that point? To say, say uh, you know, Washington or, or Michigan, your your wins weren't quality enough, even though you're 13-0 and with a, with a co- Power Five conference championship, you're not going to make the college football playoff. No, they're just going to reserve that for Florida State. Let Michigan and Washington go on with it. It's yeah, I mean, look, we'll get we get you know they almost had that like breathing room to make a wild decision like that and snubbing Florida State because, like you said, Brian, we get twelve teams next year, so it's not like you know they'll have another tough call to make. And look, if it blows up in their face and somehow one of these teams gets blown out, it's like, oh well, what if college or Florida State was in there, but. You know, I think it's because they already tried did a trial run with Cincinnati. That didn't work <laughs> out well. Uh, they did kind of the trial run with TCU. Obviously, they pulled off the upset. But, I mean, dude, 65-7 to 7 in the national championship or whatever that final score was, that, like, that just can't happen. Like, that's bad. Um, so. I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing. If Florida State beats, beats Georgia in that Orange Bowl, if I'm a Florida State fan, I am claiming a national championship. I would be more fired up as a Florida State fan if if they beat Georgia. That's when I would really start to have an issue. But, again, I think, you know, if Florida State played in the SEC this year and were undefeated, then do they get in? Of course. Yeah. yeah. No doubt about the, it. Yeah. The, a- the ACC is not a good conference. I mean, there's – it's just not that good. And I'm not taking away from Florida state. If they had their quarterback, they're a thousand percent in the final four, but I think it, it it factored into the committee's decision on, on obviously the whole quarterback thing, but their strength to schedule obviously was just not up to par with some of these other teams. And, you know, that's the stigma with the ACC uh, and football when it comes to college football is that it's not as competitive as the SEC or, you know, the Big Ten or whatever. And, you know, there is a valid point there for most years. But this year, the ACC outplayed the SEC. They beat them head to head. So to say that, you know, ACC is some inferior play uh, comparative to the SEC this year is not a valid argument. And it's Again, just another reason why I think Florida State got snubbed here. But no, I don't want to jump off of this conversation just yet. Um, I do. Who they? Who did Florida State be in the SEC? So Florida be, number one. Florida finished what with a losing record? Uh, yeah, Florida. Well, that's so. Florida finished five and seven. But you could say they were a bad team. But you could also say that was a rivalry game, and Florida was playing for to get into a bowl. They needed yeah, that think- win to go bowling. And that was also, I think, Florida State was playing without the quarterback, right? Yeah, their second string. And then he got hurt in that game. So, I mean, you know, I guess they got it done there. But Florida was not a good team. And when I get it, whatever, go bowling, big rivalry game. And then what was the other game that, that they beat? And don't, yeah. say, don't say Vanderbilt 
No, it's a good win, but it's also Jordan Travis. So they beat LSU week one. Okay. So Jordan Travis had a lot to play with that. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm I'm not arguing against it. I'm not a uh, you know, any skin of the game here uh type of type of fan for any of these teams. I just we've seen it in years past when the not the best team makes it in because of their record. And um and we see we see a disaster in the playoff. Like I just I don't know. Again, I this is a casual take because I don't have a diehard team to root for, but I mean, I think these these two games for the playoff are are the best matchups for for what the field has to work with. Um, And that's, you know, that's like, I'm sorry, I don't want to go watch Florida State play without their quarterback. I don't really need to see it. I, I don't think it'll be as competitive. If they have their quarterback, they beat Louisville by 40 points. Instead, they win by 10. Which I, you know, I think if they won that game by forty points, they're, oh, they're in the right. final four. They're definitely in, yeah. But they struggled immensely to to move the ball, and obviously their defense is still loaded. But you know, if you put them in the final four, I I just I don't think you're going to get the better product right now because of the quarterback. Again, the the committee reserves the right to uh you know to analyze based on who the best team is, not just only on record, but, you know, personnel and things like that. So, again, as a casual take, I think the committee got it right because these two matchups are absolutely electric. Texas and Washington should be super fun. And Michigan-Alabama should be just, you know, Harbaugh versus Saban. What more could you ask for? Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I'm just the contradictory nature of the committee is what I have an issue with. I understand. They 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 flip-flop and they 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 aren't consistent with doing it, right? So they've they've already in the past have put the undefeated team in just cuz they're undefeated and uh you know, didn't work out. So now you say, "Well, you already did it." So even though it didn't work out, you got to put the undefeated team in, but I think they saw those teams they put in, you know, example, uh Cincinnati um was TC wasn't even undefeated though, right? They lost a game, yeah. They, didn't lose they won the Pac-12. Right. But, I mean, Cincinnati was a good example of great team, undefeated. Oh, my gosh, this team's got a shot. You got to conclude. You have to include them in the Final Four. They did, and it didn't work out. So, again, I think it's blame those other teams who were undefeated and, and got blown out in the Final Four. That that yep. kept kept the committee hesitant, you know. By by putting a third string quarterback on Florida State, uh, you know, in the final four. But that's enough of the college football talk. The only thing I want to know here, Brian, is who's winning the Heisman Trophy. It's going to be Jaden Daniels. It's going to be Jaden Daniels on a what four loss, five loss LSU team. Three loss. Three. Oh, they only had three. Okay. I thought they had a little. I thought they were a little worse yeah, than that. They're but. a decent team. They're playing in a New Year's Bowl. All right, all right. And I'll give it to him. You you can't you can't hate on him because their defense is absolute garbage. He did everything he could to win every game. He went crazy, and his defense just let him down Can, every week, really. So I remember a couple things. of those games though. At the end, like was it the Ole Miss game where it was like forty-five to forty-two it was like final score, fifty-six to fifty-five? <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely out of control. So I agree. 
I, his defense did him no favors and uh I, you know i guess uh i guess this kid will uh will, will win the heisman because you know we don't get the final the the semifinal or the playoff until january and the heisman gets announced what next week they vote at the end of the championship weekend so that was okay. you know bonick still had a shot if he put up a big big game and beat washington but that didn't happen so uh, before we do move on from college football talk, because I know we got a lot of college basketball to cover and some NBA to cover. So obviously bowl season coming up. Uh, I'm an Auburn guy, Jackson Auburn guy. We will have Music City Bowl talk, best bowl in the country, biggest game in the country. Is uh, that uh, obviously that's what in Nashville? Yeah, that's in Nashville and Nissan Stadium. Uh, they're playing Maryland. I got a few buddies from UMD, so we'll have them them on for a small segment to talk that game. And then hopefully have some more guests from alumni around the country just to preview some of these bowl games. So lots of good content to look out for coming up here as we approach the new year. Uh, so, yeah, look out for that. It's going to be super exciting. Yeah, as we roll into bowl season, um, look, and that'll be fun, right? You know, both teams might not have had, you know, rock star seasons but you know you got some buddies from maryland uh you know it creates a nice little uh a nice little matchup for you guys to uh you know have the have auburn uh playing and maryland playing and honestly it's kind of like a um you know halfway point for both schools like yeah. nashville's right in the you know maryland's a little more north uh, Auburn's a little more south. I'm assuming Auburn's probably a little closer, but you get the point. It, yeah. It's kind of close to the middle. Yeah, sort of. Auburn, I think Auburn's like three and a half hours, and then Maryland will probably be more like seven or eight, but it's still, it's going to be, it's, you know Auburn, what I mean. But I mean, yeah, the way Auburn a, plays bowl games, it's, it's going to be a close game and it's going to be a lot of fun. I know we, we stepped away from college football, but Villanova. <laughs> is playing in an FCS quarterfinal game this weekend. I believe they play South Dakota State. So if you don't want to tune in to the GMAC Bowl or the Military Bowl or the Pinstripe Bowl or whatever those nonsense bowl games are, we got some FCS football this weekend. And, you know, me being a Villanova fan because I have, you know, 10-plus my my dad went there, uh, you know, aunts and uncles, grandfather, got a lot of alumni, uh, you know, went to Nova. So pretty exciting weekend. That game will be on ESPN. So I know uh, I know I got a lot of family members fired up for it. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to get fired up for it, too. Why not, man? It's a playoff, playoff football. I don't care what you call it, FCS, fake D1. You know, it's still football, man. So I'm pretty hyped up for it. And uh, and that's some good stuff there. Yeah, uh, I'll probably miss out on that one. I'm going to be watching Army-Navy instead. But, you know, yeah, Villanova, electric atmosphere, quarterfinal, taking on the dynasty that is South Dakota State. So both the Dakota States are just very good yeah. at football. I think, North, I think North Dakota State is also uh, still alive. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, dude, uh, the – they're obviously going to be underdogs this weekend. They probably aren't going to win, but like, dude, they're like Nova's like plus nine thousand to win that whole thing, and they're in the quarterfinals. <laughs> like, if they if they win somehow on Saturday, that'll go from like plus eight thousand, like all the way down to like plus five hundred. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, 
maybe a little sprinkle if you're, uh, you know, super degenerate. Um, and that's what you'll get over here at section 400. You'll get the plays that nobody's looking at. It's the plays that we're looking at, and it's why we're handing it out. I'm not confident in them winning the game on Saturday, nor obviously winning the FCS title, which Nova hasn't won since 2009 with Chris Whitney and Matt Seizure. We got to jump over to the hardwood. College basketball, there's been some electric games over the last like week or so, man. I mean, UConn and Kansas got together and played. Um, I know uh, what was the wasn't there a game last night that was pretty electric? Two two great games: Illinois FAU and UConn and UNC. Uh, we've had the SEC ACC Challenge, UNC Tennessee, Duke Arkansas. There's been some some great matchups, and even even though Villanova and Kansas State played last week, and I know that was close down or, or last night that was close coming down to the wire, and Nova couldn't get it get it figured out. Look, that Nova team has talent, man. They should be a lot better than the way they're playing. This is just a total, like, dude, Kyle Neptune, like, they got they got to get a different coach in there. Um, he He's not the guy. He's, he's, he's overmatched. He's not experienced enough. Um, you know, he came from Fordham. And he wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, he was at Fordham for 30 years. I think he was there for less than five years. So I'm not really sure why that was the route they went for a coaching hire. Um, uh, but – that's the way they went, but um, I kind of was just highlighting those crazy games that we have uh, already seen over the uh, last couple couple days or weeks here. I mean, Brian, what do you have on it? You know, we saw Kansas and UConn. Um, we saw those crazy games last night. I know we got Texas and Marquette tonight. Um, I mean, are, are you are you in full college basketball swing mode right now, or what? Yeah. So back to uh, back to sports that people care about. Um... <laughs> Uh, I have been high on college basketball pretty much the last two weeks, just consuming every game I can here. And I can tell you that two teams really stick out to me right now that I think can actually win the title. And believe it or not, those aren't Kansas and those aren't Purdue. The Arizona Wildcats, of course, they're ranked number one right now, but they're ranked number one for a reason. This team is really good. All five starters are averaging over 13 points. Caleb Love, of course, the transfer from UNC, been going crazy. That front court consisting of um, Omar Ballo and Monte Yunus Krivas. I hope I got that name right. Both averaging double figures, both averaging over six rebounds. And then you have the transfer from San Diego State, uh, Kashad Johnson. Just, you know, he brings the San Diego State defense. He's a rebounder. He's a scorer. This team can score on all levels of the court. They can defend. I don't think they're going to lose many games. Dare I say they could go undefeated. I really, really love Arizona. I don't know about undefeated. It's obviously so hard, especially they'll get to some of those Pac-12 games where they're going to have to go on the road. And you can be just so amazing in college basketball, but going on the road is truly a tough task. Uh, Having to play some of these, you know, it could be a random Tuesday night against, you know, a team. They're ranked number one coming into a team. You know, give me an example, a Colorado or, uh, you know, UCLA. Just one of these teams can knock them off if they're playing at home. That's just – that's what the home court advantage is in college basketball. Um, yep. So, it'll be interesting to see how they play out. But, again, like you said, two high-quality transfers – 
uh, move in over there uh, to go along with already a pretty uh, solid, you know, uh, just players who are on the team who are, who, you know, are, are already good Add those mm. guys in. And now they have the number one team in the making undefeated obviously is a tall task, but if there's a team to do it, I guess it's them. Um, and I want to touch on you, uh, Kentucky Wildcats are coming to Philly this weekend to take on Penn <laughs> at the Wells Fargo center um, Saturday game, Kentucky, taking on Penn. I mean, dude, I that's that's just awesome to have them in the area for a game. Yeah, that game might have 200 points scored in it. I mean, we all know about Kentucky, and we all know they don't play defense. And then Penn, of course, knocked off Nova. Very good backcourt down there. So that's going to be a fun game. Penn is a sleeper team in the Ivy League. I know Princeton. Princeton's good enough to get a 9 or 8 seed in the tournament if they can win the Ivy League, but Penn can knock them off. I really like Penn, so that should be a fun game. But yeah, college basketball this year is just so much fun. Uh, the other team Crazy, I really, man. yeah, the other team I really love, the UConn Huskies. You talked about Arizona transfers. This kid, Cameron Spencer, went off against UNC last night. Transferred from Rutgers. He pairs with Tristan Newton, who I call the LeBron James of basketball in a in a write up, and that's that's not a that's not an ironic line off of the whole Pawn Stars thing with when they called Christian Pulisic the LeBron James of soccer. Tristan Newton's the LeBron James of college basketball. This this kid's a guard. He's like 6'2", and he's averaging eight rebounds a game, six assists. He's putting up 17 points a game. Dan Hurley's team is locked and loaded. This team could easily get back to the Final Four and cut down the nets. I am praying we see Arizona and UConn in that final. These two teams, I just think, have set themselves apart, at least right now, and I, I want to see them in the Final Four. Yeah, and I think they got a shot to get there, right? And I know in the notes here we have, right, you know, we can't sleep on Creighton. They're starting to turn it on and get locked and loaded. Um, You know, you also put in Dukes and Shambles. They lost to Georgia Tech and Arkansas, which I think Georgia Tech's a little more competitive this year um, than what they've been in years past. But still. You can't lose to Georgia Tech. And again, I like I said, I really do think they're a little more competitive than what they've been. Um, but yeah, bad, bad losses for Duke, uh, you know, could just be a result of the new coaching regime uh, trying to figure stuff out over there. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Duke's kind of young, too. And they'll figure it out. But yeah, you can't lose a Sunday matinee game on the CW to Georgia Tech. That's just one of those games you in the past you check the box score and you're like, oh, Duke played today and they won by four. Yeah. Oh, not a game you lose. Yeah, no. And then we'll jump right in uh to the SEC, which is off to a little bit of a rocky start uh to the season here. But Auburn dropping a game to uh, Appalachian State. I watched that game and you know, Appalachian State's good. Um I get it. It was at App State, so that's a tougher game for Auburn on the road. I know in in years past, or, or even this year, Auburn is not a good team on the road. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'll let you kind of go on a rant there because that's your uh, you know War Eagle team. Uh, tough loss to App State, man. <laughs> yeah. So the first time App State has won a game against a Power Five school at home in the past twenty years, partly because no program is dumb enough to go on the road to app state so i'm not sure what the thinking was there from auburn's athletic department but 
They could have they could have got paid a lot of money to do it. Maybe, but yeah, they they make know. enough I mean, money. I know, but they could. You know, what if uh, you don't know what the agenda or narrative was, dude? I guess not. But yeah, that's a game. They were favored by nine. They lost. <laughs> <laughs> they have struggled scoring the basketball. Aiden Holloway, twenty five. Aiden Holloway shooting 25% from the field in the last couple games. He's young. He's 18 years old, so he'll figure it out. But if Auburn's going to make a run this year, they really need him to be their second-best scorer behind uh, Jani Broom. It's the same story with them. They're great on defense, and they just struggle on offense, especially on the road, like you said. But, I mean, the the way my teams have been going this year, Auburn's probably going to miss out on the tournament. I'm hoping that won't be the case, but we'll see. I think they still have a shot to get in, but they got a lot to fix. And um, they just don't seem to have a guy who can take over and and just like, oh, okay, we need a bucket here. We need to do this here. We need to hit a big three. And they just, you know, sometimes they, they just seem lost on offense. Like they don't know what's going on. Yeah, they, they have Jani Broom, and he's, he's a dog down low. But the issue is he can't really shoot the ball from outside of 10 feet. So – that I hurts. watched him. I watched him chuck up a couple threes, and it was ugly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that hurts, especially once you get into March. You need guard play. So we'll see about them. But it's the tough, rest... dude. The SEC season shambles, like you, like you kind of said. Kentucky's very young. I know. I said I was like, how is this team, you know, ranked 16 in the country? Like they should be a top 10 team. Clearly, already starting to show. Uh, the growing pains there as they're just so young, dude. Like they're so young. If this is a team, like if all these guys are like sophomores, this team is like going crazy. But the fact they're all like 18 years old, 19, whatever, super young, you know, first time playing and in, in, uh, on the collegiate level, it's tough. It's tough to, uh, it's tough to adapt and adjust to that. Uh, it's a big step. And uh, I think that's kind of what we're already seeing here and why, you know, I know I'm pretty high on Kentucky, but like you said, dude, that Penn game this Saturday at Wells Fargo Center could be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, D- DJ Wagner's coming home, you know, Camden, Camden uh, native. So he, he might put on a show in front of, uh, you know, his home crowd. But it, I think, uh, I think we could, look, they're putting it at Wells Fargo Center for a reason. So it could be uh, something to look out for. Definitely one to tune into. But, yeah, obviously you touched on UConn. UNC still very good, which Nova beat. I know we rip on Nova. Yeah. But Nova did beat them. You know, it was in the Bahamas or Atlantis, which Nova in years past usually plays very well in that tournament. Um, but nonetheless, they beat him. So, uh, obviously good one for Nova there, but uh, Nova has their own issues to figure out. Like I touched on earlier, Kyle Neptune, very, very poor coach, uh, in my opinion. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but he just doesn't seem to have it. They have a, they have a talented team, talented roster, some nice transfer portal pieces coming in. Haven't been able to really put it all together, uh, and I think it's a, it's a you know direct correlation to uh, some weak coaching. Yeah, if things get really bad for Villanova, that'll be a win that could keep them off of the bubble. I, yeah. I think UNC is good enough with R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott and then Harrison Ingram there that they're probably going to win the ACC and a decent ACC at that now that Clemson is 
just very good. So that will be a big win for them down the stretch. Yeah, it's it's going to be one that the committee is going to consider when they're going through it. Because um, obviously with the likes of Creighton, Marquette, and UConn, Nova's not winning the Big East tournament. Obviously, anything can happen in tournaments, but let's be real. They're probably not winning it. And I know it's like college basketball. We say it now, and it's like teams just get hot and win games. It's like, oh, there's no shot they can win, and they win. So I do understand that can happen in college basketball. But, dude, UConn, Marquette, and Creighton are all just so good. I think Nova will, you know, besides those three teams, they'll be able to stay afloat. Um, in the Big East, uh, Xavier isn't that good. DePaul is horrific. Um, uh, try, Seton Hall, Nova should beat. I, you know, Nova should beat St. John's. So there's a lot of wins in that conference schedule uh, up there for the taking for them. So, um, and if you, you know, if you're going to tell me they're not going to play, you know, some of these better teams close at home, I think they could steal a game from Creighton at home. Um, maybe steal one from Marquette. I don't think they're beating UConn. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, anything can happen on, on your home floor. And uh, other than those three teams, there, there's a lot of the Big East schedule is, is up for grabs. So even obviously Nova probably won't win the Big East tournament. It'd be nice to see if they could win a couple games to really solidify their, uh, you know, wins. But uh, I could see them being like an 11 seed or a 12 seed, maybe in the 8-9 spot. I don't know if they'll be good enough to wheel their way up to into like the six range. Maybe they do. I don't know, but I think they'll 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 still have a couple bad losses in there to where, you know, the committee can't catapult them up that high. But look, I could see them being a sneaky ten or eleven seed. I mean that they if you if they get locked in as the eleven seed, I mean, if I'm the six team, I don't want to play them. Yeah, so <laughs> Last little bit on Nova here. Andy Katz over at NCAA.com does his bracketology every week. His last one, he had the Villanova Wildcats as a four seed in the Midwest region. I don't know what crack Andy Katz well, is smoking. Well, that was probably before. Was that before uh, some that of those was, losses? That was when they had the three losses to the Philadelphia school. Oh, well. Again, I think Andy Katz is like low-key a Nova guy, so that's probably why. I just, based on the way they've been playing, I don't see that. I Like, I think put, putting them in the 7 to 10 range is fair, to say the least. I think that's fair for, for what they are. Because, yeah. um, again, they still hover around that top 25 ranking. So I think they they have a shot to end the season, like, you know, in, in that – range of 20 to 25 and like i said i i don't think it's i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to see them maybe a six seed maybe but even that i think is a little high um what fau lost to illinois but yep. illinois is a good team that was a road game for fau they obviously are playing a way tougher schedule now that they're already kind of put on the map so I'm not really worried about them. I think they'll still gel and grow together as they play this tougher competition. It'll only make them better. Then they'll go into – what are they? Are they in the a AAC? AAC. Yeah, so obviously that'll – you know, they should be able to cakewalk through that um, that tournament. I don't know any other I, – I guess is Cincinnati pretty decent in that, in that league? This year they're not great. 
The, the, that great. league sucks. Memphis is probably is, the. Is Houston still in that league? Houston's in the Big Twelve now. Oh, they are in the Big Twelve. Okay, so yeah, Memphis. Um, again, FAU should be able to should be able to do uh do relatively decent in in that um in that in that conference. Yeah, I think that game last night spoke more about Illinois than it did FAU. This kid, Terrence Shannon Jr. on Illinois, is good enough to be the Kemba Walker of the MCAA tournament, or the Shabazz Napier. He is averaging over 20 points a game. He put up 33 on FAU at Madison Square Garden. Huge, huge arena, the Mecca, you know, all the stars ball out there. This kid balled out. And he is good enough to lead a decently talented Illinois team deep into March. It's going to be tough in that Big Ten to stack up enough wins to get a good draw. They could end up at like the nine line, and then in those eight nine games, you never know. But this kid, him and Tristan Newton, are probably my two favorite players in college basketball right now. And I never thought I would be big on Illinois basketball just because they're always pretty pitiful to watch, even when they had Ao Disaman, Ao Disamanu, whatever Disamanu, whatever that guy's name was. Yeah, Dude, look, they're always like somewhat relevant, but never a team that you're scared of in March. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of what they are. But this year, they're kind of that. But this this Channon Jr. kid is good enough to carry them in March. So if they can stack up enough wins to get a decent seed, I will be looking at them and probably penciling them in as a second weekend team. Possibly. Uh, that's a team you can maybe say, oh, three or four seed. Yeah, if they can play well in the Big Ten, a Big Ten that's – not looking that great this year now that Michigan State is like a bubble team. Michigan State's horrible. They were <laughs> they, four. They were, they were four. four seed and they're looking like a bubble team. They're horrible. <laughs> that was like how did how did how is that that much of a of a miss by horrible whoever miss. the rankings? But yeah, I know we're kind of dragging on here. We've been covering a lot of sports conversation and content, which is good. You know, the sports world's popping off right now. This is the time of year where everything's going on. Um, you know, when we roll into April, May, and June, and baseball is only going on, you know, we're going to have to start wheeling NASCAR conversation into it uh, <laughs> with how dry sports content, you know, we're going to start wheeling in XFL picks. We're going to do an XFL show every week. WNBA. 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 <laughs> I know you're a big WNBA guy over there. Um, so, yeah. So, obviously, a little bit of a longer show, but there's a lot going on. And that will roll into our final uh, topic here. And, you know, who, who better to talk on it than our NBA in-season <laughs> tournament insider, Brian? What's the update as we're getting close to Vegas here, man? Yeah, so I don't know if you can believe this, but LeBron James is 38 years old. And this guy just took over a game, a playoff atmosphere type game in the quarterfinal of the in-season tournament. Dropped 31, 8, and 11. Had five steals to beat the Suns. The Lakers? I mean, LeBron James might mess around and add an NBA cup to his trophy case. And does that make him better than MJ on the all-time list? I mean, MJ never got an NBA cup. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, it's definitely an angle to take. But (laughs) I think it just shows that LeBron still can turn it on and turn it off whenever he wants. Right? I mean... He this... took over that fourth quarter last night. It was it was very impressive. Uh, the Lakers will be playing the Pelicans, who you were very high on in the in our 
preview of the NBA season. Well, yeah, I mean, CJ McCollum like magically got a collapsed lung, so that kind of like slowed down their their start um, a little bit. But yeah, I think once they once they're fully healthy, which I know McCollum's back, so he should uh he should be trending in the right direction. That team should start trending in the right direction. But look out for them to be good. And I haven't checked the standings like in the last two days, but. Are the Orlando Magic a wagon? <laughs> yeah, they, they, speaking of snubs, we talked about FSU getting snubbed. The Orlando Magic had a tough, tough tiebreaker draw. They should have probably been in this knockout stage, but yeah, they went three and one in the in season tournament. They've been winning regular season games. This team, they're very good. Franz Wagner has just turned it Dude, on. Dude, I think year. they're a top, they're a top four seed in the East right now. They're, they're a really good team. And I think at one point they were a half game back of the Celtics for the one spot. Mm-hmm. So, hey, they, I mean, their team, nobody really thought about it. Paulo Banchero, this guy is a superstar in the making. Yeah. Yeah. They have him. They have Jalen Suggs. Markel Fultz is still decent. Uh, I talked about Wagner. He has friends. Wagner's brother, Mo, is doing well. What's it? So Cole he, Anthony. Cole Anthony's there. Yeah. Like this team just has a lot of decent players and they've been playing together for a couple of years now. So, just the chemistry is there, but your are... your your boy from Florida State, Jonathan Isaac. <laughs> yeah. You were a huge Isaac guy for whatever reason. Yeah, I I love Jonathan Isaac, um, but for he his injury history has given him about fourteen minutes a game now, which he he does well in those fourteen minutes. But I don't see him becoming a big big part of that rotation in the near future, but. Yeah. <laughs> In the east side of the in-season tournament, we have the Bucks. after they completely dismantled the Knicks last night, put up like 150 points against the Indiana Pacers. And ESPN executives were face-palming. They were ready to jump off a cliff watching the Pacers take down the Celtics, ruining a Celtics-Bucks-ESPN quarterfinal or semifinal. But the Indiana Pacers, they are a fun team. Tyrese Halliburton is going crazy. He was, I think, the seventh person in NBA history to have a 30-point triple-double with no turnovers. And <laughs> two of the two people on that list are Nikola Jokic in the past two weeks, which was pretty funny to look at. But, yeah, the Pacers taking on the Bucks, the Lakers taking on the Pelicans. I said it before, I think the Lakers and LeBron James win this NBA Cup. Probably Bucks versus Lakers. I don't know. GMT. No, you were you were high on the Miami Heat <laughs> winning well, it all. I was high on the Miami Miami Heat, but they could not get out of the group stage. Unfortunately, did they win a game in the group play? Yeah. Or how how did their how did their uh you know first go at the in season tournament play out? They went three and one, but their point differential just was not as high as the Knicks. Just shows you how stupid the rules are this tournament is the only thing the only good takeaway that's been so far is you know where the nba season is in early december and we're getting playoff atmospheres at the end of games and it's not even christmas yet so that's like all we're getting there other than that the rules are ridiculous the just the points difference and i mean what didn't they post something that had like a, like four paragraphs of how teams could get in or get knocked out and points differences? Like people mm-hmm. don't even want to read that. Yeah, it's kind of just to the point where they throw the game at 
the audience and they're like, all right, this is where we're at. You got to understand it. <laughs> I don't think anyone's really taking the time to understand what's going on. Nobody, nobody wants to understand it. They're just like, all right, it's going to be a playoff atmosphere. Let's cheer on our team. And if we win, we'll figure out what happens next. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's basically what it is. Like, all right, all we know is we got to win and we'll, you know, that's better than losing. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's all you can kind of look at, but. Yeah, good stuff there. Um, so what's the final four? Like, are we at the final four where it's yep, a it's, semifinal on one side and a semifinal on the other? It's the Pacers and Bucks and then the Lakers and Pelicans. Yeah, I I mean, dude, I want to take the Pelicans. Uh, yeah, fuck it, dude. It's the end-season tournament. Give me the <laughs> Pelicans to beat the Lakers. Why am I, like, trying to think about this? Who cares? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll take the Pelicans, which uh, – you know, I think LeBron could totally take over like this little so-called Vegas bubble uh, that we now have these final four teams in. It, actually, no, let's keep it fun, dude. Pacers, Pelicans, in-season tournament final. The battle that's of the peace. That's what I'm going with. That's who I'm picking. And that's what I want to see because F the NBA for trying to have this like crazy tournament. And then they go and we have those two teams battling it out for the in-season tournament championship, which is definitely not who they want because how bad will that look if it's Pacers, Pelicans, and the in-season tournament final? Um, definitely won't do good in terms of TV ratings. So that's my prediction. I hope it happens so they can say F you to the NBA and Adam Silver. And uh, yeah, who cares? It's the in-season tournament. Let's see some upsets. <laughs> I, I I like that prediction. I'm gonna go with the Lakers and the Pacers with LeBron James hoisting the NBA Cup, just because he's been downplaying it. But I really do think he wants to add. add an oh, NBA he's Cup definitely he's now that he's this close too, right? Like maybe in the beginning it was like all right, like it's just a game of but now he's like now he's in that Vegas bubble, that in season <laughs> Vegas bubble. Uh, you know, so he's definitely um gonna have a little more uh juice and electricity to go along with that but you know we've been on we've been on a rant here now for the last hour and a half i think it's a good time to wrap it up we always appreciate everybody following along uh for everything we have to offer uh here at 400 um you know look out for the nfl pod this sunday uh we'll be handing out picks as always um looking to stay on the winning side of things, I think I personally had a little bit of a rougher weekend last weekend because, you know, I had just so much excitement for that Eagles and Niners game. So I uh, wasn't as locked into the slate, but I promise this weekend I will be locked in with the player props uh, and more locked in with the whole slate in general. So look out for that. Looking to hand out a lot of winners this weekend. That's all I have. And that's all I got. So Brian, you can shut us down here. I got nothing left. I'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Jake Browning's making the playoffs.